good morning and welcome to Monday. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group and our toll-free number 800-951-0592. The website at allamericangold.com and I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. That was so gorgeous here this weekend. Uh, the weather. We're starting to finally get into that sweet spot, you know, 80-something degrees during the day, you know, getting into the 50s, uh, low 60s at night. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, got in a little golf yesterday, and let's just say my golf game was not anywhere near how great the weather is. Yeah, it was a it was a long round. Let's just put it this way. I definitely if if I got charged by the amount of strokes I took, I, I paid a really fair price because I took a lot of strokes out there. Uh welcome to Monday. I know I want to brag though. You know what? It's it's been such a hot and miserable summer. Uh finally the great weather is here. This is when everybody wants to be in the desert. Hey, listen, last week we asked everybody, hey, check in. Let us know where you're listening from. Send us an email at contact, the word contact, I know a tough word, contact, at 1360khnc.com. Just a shout-out to some people. Michael and Loveland was checking in. Uh, Our buddy Ralph, Rolf, I don't know how you you, uh, pronounce it, from Sweden, northern Sweden, by the way, uh, he he was checking in. Corey uh, checking in on his iPhone from Phoenix. Uh, he was uh, wishing for a return of Jack Daniels. Right? I don't know. I don't know, Corey. Maybe maybe once in a while. Once in a while. Uh, we we just uh, well, let's just face it. We just got too much Jack Daniels in here. But once in a while, we'll throw it out there. Uh, John in Newcastle, Virginia. Uh, he's a big fan, loves it when Eric's on. Every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, John, you can check in. Uh, Rick and Rhonda, uh, good friends of mine, checking in from Phoenix. A little shout-out to them. And and uh, Casey Jones, uh, one of the watering hole establishments. If you're looking for a a one of those uh, what I'll call older not a, it's really not a hole in the wall, but really solid bar food. Casey Jones at 28th Street and Bell. I'll give him a little plug out there. Uh, my buddy Dave runs the shop there. Uh, Jay. Jay should, uh, threw a shout-out to me and Eric. Uh, had the earbuds on uh, while riding his bike uh, from East Phoenix all the way into Old Town Tempe. Said, hey, the reception's great here. Uh, he did, uh, however, say that if you're in the light rail, so maybe a, a, a drawback of, of the light rail, he says that uh, the reception is almost impossible when uh, riding on the, the light rail here in Phoenix. Uh, the electric motors create too much in, interference on the medium wave band. So, yeah, I, I wish, you know, I'll, I'll pretend... Uh, that I knew what a medium wave band is. And then Michael, Michael uh, there in Longmont, uh, checking in as well. Again, if you want to check in, send us an email, contact, the word contact, at 1360khnc.com. 
let us know. Let us know where you're listening. How do you listen? Do you listen uh, live? Maybe you listen on the podcast. Uh, maybe you're like our good buddy Rolf out there in Sweden uh, where somehow he's able to get us. But it just depends. Sometimes he can only get us for three or four minutes, sometimes a little longer. Uh, I, I don't understand the science of it. He's an engineer guy. Yes, he's one of those radio geeks. And, uh, yeah, so he's, I don't know, put some kind of an antenna up. I, I don't have all the details. But uh, uh, thank you all for listening. But let us know. Let us know where you're listening from uh, all over the all over the world, right? Uh, you can listen, obviously, every day for, for this hour on 1360 and then also 1010 in Phoenix. The clocks are getting ready to change. Uh, what I think that's in the next week or two. I know it, when it gets a little closer, Jason mumbled to me something about it. This will be the, the first year. Uh, for you listeners in Colorado, we are not patriot will not change. So we'll be on always at the same time, uh, which is 10 o'clock Colorado time, 9 o'clock Phoenix time. Uh, The difference is going to be when the clocks change, we'll go through the Phoenix board. Uh, So we'll go back with Ramon uh, at KXXT uh, versus Jason up there at at, uh, 1360. Uh, So when that happens, we'll make you all aware of that as well. But thank you to everybody uh, that is checked in. Remember, if you want to check in, let us know where you're listening from. Contact at 1360khnc.com. Not a lot of news today. Not a lot of, ec- well, I should say, not a lot of economic news today. Uh, but, but over the weekend, I was doing some research because I saw, and I'm sure a lot of you did, China's been buying soybeans, but it wasn't from the United States. I'm going to tell you who it was that they were doing the buying from. And then also, how did this whole uh, everybody love everybody trade negotiation start? Very interesting report uh, that the president was influenced by Larry Kudlow. Probably explains a lot, which has me back on to the uh, no deal hotline. But who knows? I'll tell you all about it next. 800-951-0592. The lines are lighting up. Uh, We have those half dollar rolls on sale. Uh, We had them on Friday. I actually forgot. I forgot to take them off today. Uh, but people are buying them up. So uh, last day here, you want to rolls a half dollars, uh, you're saving 15 bucks a roll. You get 20 half dollars in a roll. Uh, the cheapest way to buy government Hallmark's uh, material, and especially government Hallmark silver, uh, as the only silver out there, 2019 is it. No back dates, no cheap stuff. Well, I don't know, cheap's the wrong word, but uh, no no great deals on Silver Eagle. So the silver half-dollar rolls at $140 a roll, great way to go. Still got a couple lines open, so 800-951-0592. And before this show's out, I, uh, and I'm going to get to the trade stuff here, uh, but I want to talk about Credit Suisse and what they said over the weekend. 
again, very important. Anybody that has, uh, you know, more than, you know, what I'll, I'll say, if you don't live paycheck to paycheck and you keep money in your bank account, you're going to want to hear about that. And then also, uh, before the end of the show, if I got time, uh, I really want to also talk about uh, what's going on with Boeing. So uh, just, I don't think we should be surprised there. Let's just say Boeing knew all about this problem. And and it's just a little word to watch. If you're going to do something not honorable, yeah, don't put it in an email. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, right? Didn't they learn from Hillary and her email server? Apparently not. So the big trade war thing, I couldn't figure it out at first because I'm not that smart. But we we, we we heard about this. Oh, yeah, there, there's this great new change in the tone of the talks. And, I mean, I was buying it. I'm like, hey, I'm down for that. And then the Wall Street Journal... Uh, Friday kind of blew it all out of the water and let us know. Uh, this was a, a Larry Kudlow job. Of course, uh, anybody that's listened to this show for any length of time, you know uh, my feelings about Larry Kudlow. He's not truthful. Uh, but he's a very positive person. I, I'll say that. He is a, a Wall Street cheerleader. And I mean that in every sense of the word. He doesn't know anything. Uh, he doesn't talk about anything factual, uh, but he'll tell you how great Wall Street is. Listen, this is a guy that's made his living in the debt market, so it makes sense. And he is now uh, the economic advisor to the president, and then apparently weeks ago, Larry Kudlow organized a meeting to gang up, if you will, on the president and said, forget about all the people you've been listening to. And he brought in a bunch of people into the Oval Office. And you can take a guess at who they were, right? Guys that have vested interest in their own company's stock price at a Wall Street, uh, somehow in some form of a free trade agreement being reached with the Chinese. Uh, but but he... he uh, Apparently organized a meeting in the Oval Office with, with, with the, the journalist calling outside experts. <laughs> Forget about the inside guys. Let's talk about the outside guys. It has gotten the president uh, to talk positively. In other words, you know, when, when usually when China does something that the president does not like, what happens? He gets aggressive, right? Ratchets it, ratchets up the rhetoric. So Larry Kudlow now apparently has got the president into at least considering to cave into Beijing and strike a deal on trade that would in all likelihood involve raising most, if not all, of the, you know, bad blood. Right? Hey, let's let's get rid of this. Let's not raise tariffs. Let's come to some form of a a partial agreement. And of course, Larry Kudlow was on the idiot box on Friday. He dusted them back off today. Keeps he keeps talking about good news. Oh, there's good news. Show me something. Right? If there's all of this good news, 
then why is it that China's not buying agricultural goods from us? They bought they bought a few, right? We talked about it, right? They bought some hogs. They bought some soybeans uh, to, to kind of get rid of the tariffs that were supposed to go, the extra 5% that was supposed to go into effect uh, what a couple weeks ago. Well, I guess about a week ago. Seems to me that China will only buy something if they have to. And according to Reuters, they say that Chinese importers have been very busy booking fresh purchases of soybeans all last week. What they thought was surprising was that despite the White House announcement that China's agreed to buy up to $50 billion worth of U.S. agricultural products. And by the way, even that number is kind of skewed. Because they've got, they've got to do it within two years. So wouldn't the number be $25 billion? Right? Because that would make sense. Because remember I said when I initially heard that number, I don't think that's possible that they could buy $50 billion in a year. I mean, our total farm exports for a whole year to everybody, it's only like $140 billion. Uh, but apparently that wasn't true. So half that number. So when you hear fifty billion, because you're going to hear this number at least until the trade deal blows up, you're going to hear this number over and over and over again. What you won't hear is over two years, fifty billion over two years. You won't hear that part. You'll just hear fifty billion because Larry Kudlow's in charge. He wants to be- make you believe great things are happening. Well. Apparently, China looked at our soybeans and said thanks, but no thanks. Instead, they purchased them from Brazil. That they're according to Reuters saying that the Chinese buying has been driven more by price than than any policy since last week's so-called preliminary trade agreement with President Trump. You know what's funny is I didn't get it I didn't see any tweets by the president going after the Chinese because they just didn't buy any. They say the anticipation that Chinese buyers would return to the US market and make big purchases well apparently uh, has led to none. They said that the rally in U.S. prices based upon that story made Chinese buyers say thanks, but no thanks. And, and, and again, it, it makes sense. Brazil soybeans are cheaper, so they bought them from them. Uh, they, they said that since Monday, so this is a week ago now, okay, since Monday last week, China has booked at least eight boatloads of soybean. Now, here's funny, because you learn something new every day. I don't know, how much is a boatload, right? I mean, I don't know. Uh, the eight boatloads, each boatload's about 60,000 tons. So, yeah, it's a lot of, that's a lot. Uh, They said it was $173 million. Uh, Brazil, by the way, is now the largest soybean supplier uh, to the 
to the Chinese. However, here's what made it interesting. That it's unusual to see such big buys from China out of Brazil during this time of the year because this is when the U.S. harvest is coming in. They said that uh, Trump on Twitter on Sunday that China had already begun making an agricultural purchase. That was a week ago. Just so you know, that wasn't this Sunday. Last Sunday he was talking about they're going to buy, they're going to buy, they're going to buy. Apparently, according to Reuters, there has been no U.S. sales to China since the talks the following uh, couple of weeks ago in Washington. Again, I will repeat. There have been no U.S. sales to China since they came out and said, hey, we've reached a, an agreement. And none have been confirmed by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And this was the one that, that really caught my eye. So Reuters actually was calling U.S. soybean exporters. You know, I don't know their number, but I'm sure, you know, obviously we've got them. I mean, you think about one boatload is 60,000 tons, right? you got to have people that know how to do that stuff. So Reuters called them up. It asked them, hey, you guys heard from the Chinese? Here's what they said. There has been a total of zero inquiries for any U.S. shipments according to the soybean exporters. There were a few November boats brought, bought from Brazil and several new crop South American boats that were bought as well, but nothing from here. Another U.S. Uh, soybean exporter uh, <laughs> said that, hey, uh, tariffs are no tariffs. U.S. soybean prices are too expensive. I don't know uh, what that will mean uh, for uh, soybean far farmers, but I just thought I'd point that out, that so far, China had bought 10 cargoes of Brazilian soy last week, eight more cargoes this week. So remember, this is going back a week. So this would have been 10 cargoes two weeks ago, eight car loads last week, boatloads last week. I don't know how many this week, but the total number of U.S. cargoes bought, zero. By the way, uh, Another buyer speculated that China is probably going to buy at least six more cargoes from Brazil. Uh, none of them are expecting uh, the Chinese to buy any U.S. soybean products at all again this week. So I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, sounds like the same old thing to me. But again, this is why you listen, because if you turn on the idiot, Larry Kudlow was on again today, Keep it, and he continues to talk about, oh, we got great progress. Well, so far, I mean, if you're keeping score at home, right, it's Brazil 18, the U.S. nothing. Oh, and by the way, Brazil's driving, getting ready to punch it in again.
right? Because they're going to add another six more cargoes. Uh, looks like it's going to be Brazil 24 uh, and the U.S. Nothing. When we get back, I know, if, if we didn't need any more bad news, I don't get it. Why wouldn't we just be like, that's it, we're done. I mean, they steal our stuff. They're the absolute worst trading partner possible. I mean, and I'm just going by what I see. Right? They force us to be in joint ventures. They force us to hand over technology. And when we don't hand it over, they just steal it. And yet, somehow, Larry Kudlow can organize a meeting at the Oval Office with these quote-unquote outside experts to try to convince the president to essentially cave in. I mean, that's what it, that's what they want him to do. They want him to cave. Hey, let China buy some more stuff and let's call it good. I hope it doesn't happen. When we get back, more problems for Boeing. I'll tell you what they knew when they knew it. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now continuing that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Fifty attorneys general representing 48 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico have launched an overdue bipartisan probe into Google's monopoly practices. Google responded to this, saying, quote, We've always worked constructively with regulators, and we will continue to do so, end quote. But Google misses the point. Attorneys general do not and should not be looking to regulate Google, but simply to end its monopoly. When AT&T controlled 80% of local telephone service and nearly 100% of intercity communications, it was broken into seven baby bells, each serving a different region of the country. The spin-offs added up to much more than the whole, and experts were astounded when the regional baby bells soon outperformed the original national telephone company. Similarly, Google and Facebook could be broken into pieces by region or functionality. A southern Google would add healthy competition to the California Google by not discriminating against conservative videos and websites. James Damore, the talented engineer fired by Google for expressing his conservative views in a manifesto criticizing Google's ideological echo chamber, could then take his innovative ideas to a southern Google and look forward to competing against his former employer. Or Google could be split based on functionality, allowing rivals to compete with it for mapping, consumer reviews, and other services. Advertising dollars could then be spread around rather than all flowing into a black hole in California. Dismantling Google and other big tech behemoths would enable tech wages to start rising again after decades of stagnation. Silicon Valley companies had an improper secret agreement not to compete for high-tech talent, which has kept salaries lower than they would be in a competitive market. Facebook should be dismantled, too, after demonstrating that it will censor viewpoints to appease its liberal California base. Google and Facebook executives openly regret how their platform helped to elect Donald Trump in 2016 and they're determined to prevent that from happening again in 2020. We wouldn't let AT&T control who can use the telephone, and we can't allow Google and Facebook to shut Trump supporters out of their networks. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 800-951-0592. Before we get to Credit Suisse, another uh, announcement now coming out of uh, Europe when it comes to, you know, the money that's in your bank account. It's 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 never yours. And and I've tried to uh, educate people on this. This has been banking law for hundreds and hundreds of years. Matter of fact, I think if I'm right, if my memory serves me right, it was about 300 years before we were even a country. I know it was at least 200 years uh, before the United States uh, was even a country where when you deposit money into your checking account and of course most of most people out there now you you have what I'll call the forced deposit right which is direct deposit you 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 a lot of these companies that's the only way you can work for them they they won't uh you know I'll use my oldest son he got a summer job working as like a grounds I'll call him a groundskeeper maintenance guy you know, mowed the grass at one of these uh, high-end golf courses here in uh, in the valley over the summer, and they let him know right off the bat: fill this out. You need direct deposit for you to work here. You know, just to to mow the grass, just like everybody else, right? Of course, it's it's convenient and it saves money and what's not to like and and of course what they don't tell you you know wouldn't it be interesting if they led with hey by the way you don't want to do that it's not yours they never tell you that part of the story but one of the things in the central bank's great wisdom you know because they're so smart right and they've got all these tools and and the toolkit and they've got all these great uh, formulas, and I mean, they're the great thinkers, right? Most of the central bankers, maybe the problem is most of these central ban- bankers don't really know what they're doing. Right? They're, they're just uh, academia. Right? If they haven't read it in a textbook, right, they, they don't really know how the real world works. And one of the things that we've been speculating about these negative interest rates, I know we're not there yet, I know. And I know that they want to, oh, no, no, we're, we're not going to do that. Yeah, we will. You know it. And, and I mean, come on. We're, I, I don't know, where are we, 175, something like that? More rate cuts on the way. But one of the things they didn't tell us about the negative rates is what would happen if rates got negative and stayed there and over time got increasingly more negative? Obviously, when you think about that, that means if a bank, okay, if the bank, let's take Credit Suisse or UBS or anybody else out there, Right, J.P. Morgan, right, Wells Fargo. 
if they leave at the end of the day, the bank will have, is supposed to have excess reserves. Right? Yeah, if you don't have excess reserves, there's a different, right? that's, a, that's a whole different problem. In countries where there's negative rates, the banks get charged for that. See, it's a way of motivating banks to lend money, right? They want, hey, we don't want you to have, we want you to have as little excess reserves as possible, right? Because we're trying to, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, grow the economy. Well, it hasn't taken very long. But now all of these banks are like, wait a minute. These rates are starting to get pretty steep. In Credit Suisse's case, they're now saying, hey, like all these other banks, you know what? We got to charge somebody for this. <laughs> we can't just lose money every day. Why should we have to pay for it? If somebody at the meeting raises their hands, hey, I got a, I got a great idea. Pick me, pick me. Call on me, CEO. And he said, let's charge the depositors. Because what are they going to do? Are you going to switch banks? Right? You know what a pain in the backside that is. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. All the other banks are going to do it too? Right? Well, you know how that works. Right? We've seen it here over and over and over again. Right? Once one bank makes a rule, they all follow suit. Same thing now happening over in Europe. Switzerland's second biggest lender is now following suit after saying that corporate clients would now be charged 85 basis points. So that would be 0.85% on all cash holdings over $10 million. Okay. So now think about all the rich people that like to put their money over there. Right. They're going to start hitting. Don't worry. It's, it's just under a percent. But then they said starting 20, on January 1st, 2020, they're going to take. Now that was, I want to be sure, that was corporates. Individuals, Credit Suisse, they're a little meaner to you. Now, they're going to charge you a little less. It's going to be 75 basis points on any account over $2 million. And, that, and that's uh, in Swiss, so I don't even know. Uh, I'll, I'll get the exchange rate, how, much, how many dollars that is U.S. I know it's, I know it's not $2 million. Far, far less than that. Uh, and they're saying that this is followed by other banks that Credit Suisse is now also introducing negative interest rates for clients with large cash holdings. The reason for this, the persistent negative interest rate environment. And again, what can you do? Your money is under attack. I keep telling you. I know you don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe it. I don't. Right? I want to be Larry Kudlow. Oh, yeah, no, it's great. It's fine. 
It's going to be wonderful. You know, it's bad enough that now in the next crisis, no one's going to be allowed to sell. We know from Greece that they'll even go as far as what? Preventing you from closing your accounts. Limiting the amount of cash you can withdraw. Uh, The Bank of Canada over the weekend said yes. They just flat out admitted it. We are absolutely working on a digital currency. It's coming. And it's coming a lot faster than you think. When we return, I'll tell you what that two million bucks in Swiss francs translates to. Hey, we're back. You know what? Not as bad as I thought. So the Swiss franc, it's almost at parity with the dollar. So it's about 1.97 million U.S. I don't know. How many you people here in the U.S. are are now flipping out because they they put all those all those all those dollars into the Swiss bank, and now starting January first, you're now going to be hit with a negative seventy five basis points. And remember, the Netherlands started just like the Swiss. This is this is how it started. It's just you know two million, and then it goes to a million. And then next thing you know, it's down to 100000 Then, of course, it's down to 10000 Pretty soon it'll just be everybody. And this is really, this is, this is real. Banks are starting to charge people for their deposits. You know what? We, we talked about this. Eric and I used to talk about this all the time when they brought rates to zero and negative interest rates. We, we told, listen, they're just going to start charging you. And I know, oh, no, no, they're not. You're, you're crazy. But you're just trying to scare me into buying gold. No. I'm trying to tell you what's going to happen. Right? And, and think about these central banks. It, it, when it happens to one, it happens to them all, right? They all do the same thing, right? They all play from the same playbook. They got all their academia all in charge of everything, and this is what is going to happen. One of the unintended consequences and why you're now hearing uh, all these country central banks, now China, Actively pursuing digital currency. Canada now has admitted, yeah, we're doing Europe's admitted, you know, we're doing it. I, I've broken how many stories about the meetings that have taken place back when Janet Yellen was in charge. And, and this is going to be, right, the, the next crisis, and, and the solution is going to be give up all of your freedoms, everything's tracked. We, if we can't get 2% inflation, we can now. See, right now, the Fed can lower interest rates, but it doesn't mean they get the inflation. Right? Because, come on, how many times uh, can people refinance? Right? They, you play the trick, and then, well, now you're like, well, I already financed at that rate. Right? I can't get any more money out of it. I don't need... To borrow any more money, I got a house. I got a rental house. I, I got, uh, you know, I got all my employees. I don't need. Any, I don't need to borrow. I borrowed it all already, right? I don't need to borrow anymore. Now I got. I'm worried about how am I going to pay it all back? 
And this is exactly what happens and why it is that everybody's working towards it. Canada, though, they were really honest about it. They just flat out said that, yes, we're exploring, we're working on uh, the digital uh, currency. They're calling it a proprietary digital currency. Listen, what, do you think Canada is the leader here? Really? No offense to Canada. They're not the leader. Right, they look around and they're like, what's, what's everybody, oh, you know what, we better get ready. They're talking about opportunities and challenges to launching its own digital currency. It believes that a public central bank digital currency could be the answer to the, quote, direct threat of cryptocurrencies that's apparently present. I didn't know. Remember what I told you about the cryptos. The central banks tolerate them for now. Right? Work out all the bugs, work out all the kinks, and then we'll be able to step in and go ahead and launch our own. According to one of the documents, just one, the one major benefit to the Canadian Central Bank of launching its own digital currency would be the ability to collect more information on its citizens than it is possible when using cash. It's not the only benefit. I mean, that's a big one. I know a lot of us out there, we don't like that. I should be able to buy what I want without there being, you know, the government knowing what I'm doing. Right? I mean, that's what freedom is. But, of course, the bigger benefit, and what you need to be worried about, what I need to be worried about, is now they can just devalue. See, right now, the Fed lowers another quarter of a point. Listen, they've just lowered, what, half a basis point, getting ready to be three-quarters of a basis point this year, and nothing really happened. Nobody ran out there and bought more homes. Nobody ran out there and bought more cars. No businesses all of a sudden ran out there and took on more debt. Now with the digital currency, they don't have to worry about it anymore. With a stroke of a, a pen, they just change the, and I, you know, they'll have an exchange rate set up, most likely through the International Monetary Fund. And they'll just set the devaluation of your bank account to even faster. One way or another, they're going to get you to spend that money. That's why you need to have something not in the system. 800-951-0592 rolls of silver half dollars at $140 to the roll. Take the time. Put them away. When we get back the last segment apparently there were some emails and even some instant messages that Boeing knew about that they didn't share with anybody else according according to all the well let's just say this I'll just call it what it is the southwest people that sent the actual emails in instant messages
final segment here on a Monday. Uh, NBC News reported that Boeing test pilots were complaining about the the MCAS system, right? That's the uh, the system that's been caused caused those planes to crash and why the the new planes have been grounded calling them difficult to control and actually had a some instant messages from one of their test pilots it's running rampant in the sim on me he was in the simulator this is before uh, the planes were were out there it's running rampant on me. Granted, I suck at flying, but even this is egregious. Now, I don't know if the guy sucks at flying because he's a pilot for Southwest, just so you know. So I think he was kind of making fun of the fact that just <laughs> maybe maybe it was my error. Uh, and then he goes on to say the same pilot, goes on and he's talking to a Boeing employee through instant messaging. So I basically lied to regulators unknowingly. And uh, Southwest uh, Pilots Union has come out swinging, confirming that their pilot was the one that was behind this Mark Forkner Blasting Boeing for misleading the FAA, saying that Boeing conducted a fraud and put the flying public at risk. By the way, Boeing knew about these messages uh, from 2016 and only recently shared them with the FAA. And uh, people are speculating that there is also emails involved as well as direct messages. And I only bring this up because aren't we tired of all this stuff? We allow companies to lie about earnings, right? Where's the gap accounting? Where's the generally accepted accounting principles that they promised us? After uh, the tech bubble burst, right? The, all these things too big to fail, but they made them bigger, right? Now we've got uh, all the lending markets frozen up and the repo markets are going nuts. And they're trying to act like, oh no, it, it's fine. And, and we started quantitating, we started QE4, but no, no, it's not QE4, it's different. Is it different? And this is just another example. What's going to happen? Nothing. Now, if you own Boeing stock, this came out on Friday, right? You've been whacked, right? It's Boeing stock, I think, it's down like 10% since the news comes out. Do you get to do anything about it? No. Is the CEO going to lose his job? Is he going to go to prison? Of course not. Boeing's going to probably admit no wrongdoing, right? Pay a fine, pay for the people, you know, <laughs> whatever mathematical formula they came up with for the people that died, and, and that's going to be that. It's incredible. How long do you think it really can last? 800-951-0592. It's a radio news hour. I'll be back with Eric tomorrow. Let us know where you're listening. Send us an email, contact 
at 1360KHNC.com.